Amen. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord just one more time. We thank God for uh, the season of Advent that we are on. And uh, let's give the band a hand. Let's give them thank God for what you us in worship. Amen. Amen. We uh, thank God for his grace and his mercy this morning, that his grace is always sufficient and his mercies are new every morning. And so we, uh, we thank God for that because we don't, we don't deserve the right to be here. It's only by his grace and mercy that we're here today. Amen? Amen. Well, we are on in this season of Advent and we are embarking on this new series called The Adventurous Life. It's a play on words on the word of Advent. And, um, and, and really what I'm trying to say in the title is that uh, a life in Jesus Christ should never be a boring life. When we look at scripture, uh, those who followed Jesus in the gospels, it was never a boring moment in Jesus' uh, relationship with them. Jesus spiritually stretched them. Uh, with the turning of every page in the Gospels, we find uh, that there was suspense, there was adventure. Jesus was stretching them spiritually, and, and many times he took them uh, on to places that they didn't want to go, uh, spiritually as well as physically. And so uh, I think, in my, in my opinion, that Advent is a time, is a time of adventure. Uh, it's a time where God stretches us, uh, that we become increasingly aware of who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus Christ. And uh, with that being said, I, wanna, I want us to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Uh, you may stand. Um, I will read it. I just invite you to listen in it's due to the length of the passage just want to invite you to listen in to as I read. Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38 reads as follows. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Amen. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord lasts forever. One of my favorite writers, uh, Reverend Fleming Rutledge, uh, stated these words about Advent, and it captures the essence of, of the season. She says, Advent tells us about our own lives as Christians, here and now. Advent is where we live, work, play, laugh, and struggle. Advent is the time between, between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of our Lord. It is not the time of fulfillment, it is the time of waiting. It is not the time of seeing face to face. It is the time of seeing through a glass darkly. It is not the time of triumphant victory, it is the time of bearing the cross. Uh, these are the words of Fleming Rutledge and I think it really captures this in-between time that we find ourselves in as Christians, uh, that there's the, the first coming of Christ, uh, his birth, but then there will be a second coming of Christ. And in the meantime, we are in this waiting period, but waiting doesn't mean that we don't do anything. And, and I think waiting is, is a good word, but at the same time, there's a sense of adventure because in a real sense, the Holy Spirit uh, is with us. God the Father, God the Son is with us, and so they're still leading us and guiding us in uncharted territory. One of my dear friends, uh, Reverend well, Bishop Benny Williams, he was one of my assistants at the former church that I was at, and every Sunday when he was there, whenever we would leave, he would always say, Reverend, Stay in the fog. Stay in the fog. And I would, you know, initially when he said that, I, would, I was always wondering what he meant by that. And then he would always clarify. He said, stay in the favor of God. Stay in the favor of God. And that was a good admonition, uh, leaving church on Sunday and uh, from Sunday to Sunday, stay in the favor of God and my admonishment to you today and my prayer for me and you today is that we would stay in the favor of God. Amen. 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 I got my amen corner over there. Amen. <laughs> because here's the thing, with God's favor, we can overcome our deepest fears and live a life of adventure. We can overcome our deepest fears and live a life of adventure. Then the question comes today is, how does one know that they are favored by God? What does it look like? How, what does it look like to stay in the fog and, and to know that you are favored by God? I'm glad you asked those questions. We're going to try to answer those questions today. One of my professors, Dr. Daryl Bach, in his commentary, he talks about, he says that Mary becomes the object 
of God's grace. She also, she's also the bearer of God's grace. And the story of these two babies, because there's a, there's the, the previous story is about John and his mother Elizabeth, and as is indicated in this passage, she's six months pregnant. And, and so these two, the story of these two babies that are yet to be born seems to point to God's unfolding drama in redemptive history. That in a very real sense, Jesus and John were first round draft picks in God's redemptive plan. Amen, somebody. That God had chosen them before, before time began that they would be used to bring about his redemptive plan in history. The first thing I want us to see as we look at this passage is that God's favor will seek you out. God's favor will seek you out. Look at, look at what it says in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, a small town, insignificant town. It's so, it was so insignificant that the question was raised, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And verse 27 says, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, this, this is Luke telling the story. Luke has interviewed Mary. He's talked with others, and he's telling the story. He's introducing us to the context of what's going on. Verse 28 says, and he came to her, Gabriel, came to her and says, greetings, favorite one. One translation says, highly favored. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Let's stop right there because that, that speaks volumes to what's taking place here. Now here, um, Gabriel, and you know, Gabriel, we, we only know of really three particular angels in Scripture. Gabriel is, it seems to always be bear, bringing uh, uh, some kind of... Uh, Annunciation and expectations that he's uh, bestowing God's grace on to whomever he's speaking. And then you have Michael. Michael seems to be kind of a warrior kind of angel. You know, he, he, when he shows up, there's kind of a little battle going on. But Gabriel seems to bring some kind of uh, admonition, uh, uh, bestowing grace. And so here he shows up in this little town little town of Nazareth and God seeks Mary out. Uh, Mary is around 13, 14 years old. Uh, one would think that, you know, someone that age in this day and time wouldn't be thinking about, uh, wouldn't be expecting some kind of uh, annunciation bestowed on her at 13 or 14. But also, you know, when you think about it, brothers and sisters, a 13, 14-year-old young lady is much more mature than a 13, 14-year-old young man. Amen, somebody. <laughs> and, you know, at, in this particular pericope of Scripture, uh, the, the context is 
13, 14 year old women, women only, the life expectancy of women and men was around 40 years old. So the idea of having a child began very early and getting married was very early because the life expectancy was 40 years old. So we see Mary, uh, God approaching Mary. She's, on the, she's born on the other side of the track. She's, she's not born in a king's palace. She's, she's born uh, in a small town. Uh, she's a peasant girl. And there she is, an angel, Gabriel, showing up at her front door to make his presence known, but also to let her know that you are highly favored. You are highly favored. Somebody needs to hear that today because uh, God doesn't always, God shows up in unexpected places sometimes. God makes his presence known in, in unexpected places and he chooses unexpected people to carry out his unexpected plan. And here we see God singling Mary out. God makes room for Mary to be an integral part of his redemptive plan in history. Mary didn't seek this out. Uh, it wasn't her dream or goal to be chosen by God and become the mother of Jesus. Bet Dickinson, Betty Dickinson in her, her devotional called Making Room for Advent uh, has this to say about the situation. She says, and she entitles it Favor for a Virgin. She says, in contrast, Elizabeth, who had waited for years to get pregnant, Mary hadn't planned on it and wasn't prepared. When the angel appeared to Mary announcing that heaven was invading earth in her womb, she was probably wondering, how am I going to do this? I'm not equipped for this. The world, wouldn't, the world would have said, Mary, you're not enough. Not smart enough, not experienced enough, not qualified enough, not religious enough, but yet God seeks Mary out. And I'm so glad we serve a God who, who says to us, you are enough. When the world says you are not enough, God shows up and says, I don't care what the world says, you are enough. You're valuable, you're precious in my sight. So here we see God's favor will seek you out. Will seek you out when you least expect it. But not only, not only will God's favor seek you out, we also see that in order to get the full manifestation of God's favor, we have to receive it. We have to receive it. Now, it's one thing for God to utter these words to Mary and say, you are uh, highly favored, but Mary has to receive what God is saying. Now, this story, when Luke writes this story, he's contrasting it uh, with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth with Mary. And there's a difference in how Zechariah uh, responds. He's a priest. He should respond as a man of faith and as a priest, he should respond uh, like Mary. He should say, let it be. But he begins to question God and it says that God silenced Zechariah's voice until the baby was born. Uh, but Mary, 
wasn't born in a priestly family, born on the other side of the tracks, uh, in a peasant, uh, as a young peasant girl, she receives it and she said, Lord, let it be according to your word. So Luke wants to show uh, how Mary stands out uh, in this particular story in, in contrast that she responds very favorably. She responds, she receives God's favor uh, and she receives it by faith. But it also implies that we must submit to his lordship. Mary submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. She submitted to the lordship of God. Uh, we, we can overcome our deepest fears by listening to the voice of God over the voice of the world. The world will say that I'm not enough. The world will say you, you weren't born in the right family. The world will say you're not college material. The world will say things that, uh, you know, you have people who, who are in, they don't want God to work in your life. You have people who are haters. They don't want to see you succeed. But God wants to see us succeed. God says you, you are enough. So we see Mary blocking out. I can imagine at the age of 13 or 14, she's thinking in her mind, she's pondering the situation. She's saying, well, what would my mom think? What would my sisters think? What would my brother think? If I bring this to them, so you can't share good news with everybody. Let me say that again, go over here. You can't share good news with everybody because that would imply that everybody is supporting you and wants you to be successful. That's not always the case. Sometimes you got to keep that news to, to those people or to yourself or to those who you know who's going to speak life into you, who's going to affirm you. Don't think that everybody uh, will be excited about the good news that God is sharing with you. Amen? Amen. So let, let God take the lead in your life. Let him take the lead in your life. As followers of Jesus Christ, uh, that it really means that we must let Jesus lead us to uncharted territory. Let Jesus lead us into an adventurous life because if you hang out with Jesus, you're going to get into some good trouble. Amen, somebody. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, you're, not gonna, you're gonna have to get up out of that lazy boy chair. You're gonna have to stop watching television and you're gonna have to move. Amen, somebody. And so this is what we see happening in Mary's life and what will happen in our lives as well. God says, so Mary is pondering this thing. He says, Lord, no. How is, this, how is this going to happen? This doesn't make sense, Lord. I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The one translation said, it, it will overshadow you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you and Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. So God is giving Mary the big picture. He's helping her to see, Mary, you're, play, you're going to play a role in this. 
and I'm giving you the vision of what is getting ready to happen. You're, you're a part of my redemptive plan. You, you, are, you have been favored. When God bestows favor on us, it's not just for us. <laughs> it, it, it's it's to, be a, to be a blessing to someone else. It's not just for us. It's, it's to be a help to someone else. God wants to bring about so a change in society. He wants to be, bring about a change in your home. He wants to bring about a change on your job. As one writer said that, you know, when God has a, an idea, he takes it and wraps it in human flesh. When he has an idea, he takes that idea and wraps it in human flesh. That's what he did with Mary. Mary he knew what he wanted Mary to do before she was born. He takes this idea and wraps it in human flesh. And in a real sense, Mary is a reality, is a dream in which God's timing has come within her. And that's what we see unfolding in this story. But not only that, we see here that, you know, we, we have to, in order for, to get the full manifestation of God's favor, we have to receive it. But also we see another theme at work that he says that the Holy Spirit will make it happen. Because she's wondering how she's going to do this. He said, no, no, Mary, you just got to follow the lead. Follow God's lead. The Holy Spirit will make it happen. He will bring it to fruition. You don't have to help God out. He will bring it to fruition. You don't have to jump ahead of God. He will bring it to fruition. You don't have to be like Sarah, help God out. God said, You're gonna bless, I'm going to bless you with a child. And Sarah said, well, it's taking too long, Lord. I'm getting older and older and older. And so Sarah begins to help Abraham and help God out. Well, Mary waits for God to bring this to fruition. The Holy Spirit will carry out God's plan in your life, in my life, we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I often hear, you know, people saying, I've even asked the question in my, my own life when I was younger, Lord, what's your, what's your will for my life? I've asked that question. I prayed, Lord, help me to, to discover your will for my life. But what, I, what, what I've discovered looking 35 years back is that God's will will find you. You don't have to go looking for God's will God's will will find you as it did with Mary. Amen. God's will will find you. Uh, and, and the way it happens is the closer you get to Jesus, the more clarity he gives you. Uh, the closer you get to him in prayer, the closer you get to him in fellowship, the closer you get to him in worship, the closer you get to him in the reading and daily intake of his word, God begins to give you crystal clarity and you begin, to be, you begin to walk in God's will and don't even know it. God's will will find you. Just continue coming to worship, continue reading the Bible, continue studying the Word of God, continue fellowshipping with brothers and sisters like-minded, continue to do those things that Jesus would do and Jesus gives you clarity. Amen, somebody. So you, you don't have to go searching for God's will. God's will will find you. It will find you. I, you know, I, I, when I look at this, this, this pericope of Scripture, 
there's some things that, that came out that came out in my mind, and, and, and I asked the question, where are the what I call the tensions in this text? Where, where, where are the tensions in this text? And, and one tension in the text is fear versus faith. Um, Mary is, is gripped with fear, obviously, because the, the angel says, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. He said, don't, don't, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. So Mary is, is somewhat gripped with fear, and, but at some point when God begins to share his Jehovistic plan with her, her fear gives way to faith. When he begins to, to make it clear to her what role she will be playing, her fear gives way to faith. And such is the case in our lives. When we begin to hear what the Lord is saying in his word, our fear has to give way to faith. And living by faith, brothers and sisters, I'm, I got to tell you this, it's not popular. It, it doesn't make sense to mama, it doesn't make sense to dad, it, it doesn't make sense to your co-workers. It, living by faith is not popular, so you're going to be going uphill when you live by faith. Amen, amen. Y'all getting quiet on me now. <laughs> Secondly, there's another tension in this text. The, the relationship between success and fulfillment. Uh, we live in a society that is very success driven. The world's standard of success is not God's standard of success. The world's standard of success is who, he who gets the most toys win. He who makes six-figure salary win. He, he who has a nice car, a nice house, and has a big bank account, they, they won. But Jesus, Jesus, God's version of success is not success, it's fulfillment. You can have all of these things and not be fulfilled. You can have all of these things and not be ha happy. You can have everything that you need materially and not feel like you are fulfilled or in you, you're in your element. And so we see here in Mary's life that God is calling her to fulfillment. He's calling her to fulfillment. And maybe, maybe, brothers and sisters, perhaps God is calling you to fulfillment. Maybe you've been successful by the world's standard. But now God says, now you've done all that you can do for Boeing. You've done all you can do for Microsoft and, and Google and wherever you work. God said, I'm calling you to fulfillment. And this is what we see in, our own, in Mary's life. She's, she's, she's being fulfilled. And, and God is calling us as well to fulfillment. Abandon the world's view of success and allow God to lead you into a life of fulfillment. And then there's another tension in the text that I see, and that's transactional versus transformational. Let me explain to you what transactional means. Transactional means we love things and we use people. Let me say that again. Transactional means we love things and we use people. In other words, people become a commodity. They become a means by which you get what, what you want. But here's transformational. Transformation, just turn, it, just turn it the other way around. You love people and you use things. You love people 
and you use things. Love is a transformational quality. Hope is a transformational quality. Peace is a transformational quality. And when you are in a transformational leadership, a trans transformational relationship, what happens is you are making deposits in somebody's life, not because they're going to pay you back, because God has called you to that. Not because they're going to pay you back, because God is calling you to disciple them, to mentor them, to give them hope, to speak life into them. And this is what we see in Mary's interaction with Gabriel. There's a transformation taking place in Mary's life. And that's the kind of life that all of us as Christians should be in. We should be in a transformational uh, way of thinking about life. We shouldn't be coming to church and say, let me give you my business card and see how I can help you. Amen. Let me, let me speak to the lights. Amen, lights. <laughs> no, the, 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 the goal is to be, all of us, to be in a transformational relationship. Now, here's, the, here's the thing. As I, as I thought, I wrapped my mind around the story of Mary and none of us, you know, it's highly unlikely that Gabriel will visit us. Amen, somebody. And, and tell us, you, you, God is, God is going to do this for you. God is going to do that for you. It's highly unlikely. But there are people in our lives that have angel-like qualities that speak life into us. There are people that God will send into your life that have angel-like qualities and they give you a bigger vision that God, and they, they let you know that you are precious in God's sight. They affirm you. They push you forward. They don't hold you back. There are people in our lives, God will send people into your life who have angel-like qualities. One of my angels in, in my life was Reverend Nathaniel Irvin. And I get teared up as I think about him because he spoke life into me. He encouraged me. He pushed me forward. And you, you need those kind of relationships because, and, and God sends people in your life just like he sent Gabriel into Mary's life to push her forward and help her to see God's bigger redemptive plan. The question I had asked early today, early in this sermon is, how does one know that they are favored by God? What does it look like? Mary shows us what it looks like. But in the 21st century, maybe it looks like someone who has an angel-like quality who's pushing you forward. My wife and I had the opportunity to go on sabbatical. Many of you know I was, we were on sabbatical from September to October, middle of September to middle of October. And we, God gave us uh, the privilege of going to several, several countries. We went to Zimbabwe, we went to uh, Johannesburg, we went to Edinburgh, we went to uh, Dublin, we went to Dubai. And as before we went, I said, Lord, give me glimpses of yourself. Show me yourself. I know you're in every one of these cities. Give me glimpses of yourself. And brothers and sisters, it was there in Dublin. There was a man by the name of Emmanuel. 
He was from Nigeria. And he was driving a taxi in Dublin. And as he was talking to us, I said to him, I said, are you a professor? And he looks through the, the rearview mirror and he looks at me and said, how do you know? And I said, well, you're using words that sounds like you are a teacher, you're a professor. He said, in all my years driving the taxi, I've never had anyone ask me if I'm a professor. You're the first one. And, and that obviously made a difference on, you know, on him. We, he took us to the bus station. When we got to the bus station, all of the buses were lined up and there were no bus drivers. And uh, my wife went into the bus station and there was no one there. He gets out of the, the taxi, turns the ticker off, you know where the money keeps going up. He turns the ticket, the meter, thank you dear. He turns the, turns the meter off and all of a sudden he gets out of the car, gets our luggage, he goes in with us, parks the car at a stop sign in the middle of Dublin and he gets out and he says to us, I will not be happy until you get to your destination. And I said, here's a man who's living up to his name, <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us. He said, I will not be happy until you get to your destination. I said, here's a man who has angel-like qualities. And every now and then, God sends us, sends somebody in our life. When we need direction, when we need encouragement, when we need help. Those who have angel-like qualities, sometimes God sends people into our lives to speak life into us. But we got to be willing to receive it. We can't, we can't isolate ourselves. We got to be willing to receive it. And brothers and sisters, maybe you may be that, that person who has an angel-like quality. And God is calling you to speak life into someone, to encourage someone, to give them a sense of hope, to give them a sense of direction. Whatever the case may be, the Holy Spirit will make it happen. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for being a God who seeks us out, that your favor seeks us out. Thank you for being a God who walks us, moves us from fear to faith and moves us, dear God, from transactional relationships to transformational relationships. Thank you, Lord God, for being a God who moves us from success to fulfillment. And Lord, maybe there's somebody on the sound of my voice who needs to hear this today, Lord God. You, you, they're at a turning point in their lives and you want to move them in a direction where they will feel fulfilled. Would you make it clear to them, Lord God, that you're drawing them to yourself in a closer, more vibrant relationship with yourself. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.